Behind the Shades. Hello, Danielle. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am well. The sun is shining. I was outside a little bit, but I'm back in here to speak to you about a beautiful and fantastic topic. So thank you very much for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much for having me today. I do appreciate it. So I know we're going to get right into it because today we're going to talk about parenting and children. And you have like a unique perspective on children. So before we jump right into that, Danielle, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and where my guests can find you? Yes. Okay. So hello, everyone. Um, I know that I'm sure probably a diverse group of people are listening right now. Not sure where you are. I'm in California. So I know that maybe you're in a different country, different time zone, but I just thank you for having me here and for being here and for listening. Um, for me, just I always have lots of random stories to share, but I will try and stay on topic today. Um, I am Danielle. As I mentioned, I'm in California. I am a single mom. So my daughter is five and a half, will be turning six next month, which we're excited about. She just graduated from kindergarten going into first grade. And so my parenting journey has been interesting. Um, from just the beginning of struggling with infertility, having a loss before I had my daughter, having her. And, you know, there's so many things that they don't tell you in the parenting books. And so I'm just like, okay, I, you know, parenting books are great, but there's just so many things that they might not always prepare you for. So, you know, whether it's a recent loss of my daughter's, um, her beta fish, Chloe, and trying to figure out how to navigate that conversation. Um, just had some not so good health related news for my daughter. So in the last month, finding out that she was recently diagnosed with epilepsy and trying to figure out how to navigate that. How do I wrap my head around it? And since she's only five, how do, what do I tell her? And so, you know, just different things like that. And then also we just finished our first year of homeschooling. And I'm like, I don't know a lot of people that kind of look like me for those that don't know or can't see me, I'm African-American. And so my daughter's actually biracial. So she's half Sri Lankan and half African-American. So there are no Barbie dolls that look like her. It's very um, kind of an interesting combination. And so there's really no one to reference or refer to. And so they try and instill just like her self-esteem and, you know, happy things and help her to be kind and navigate the world and teach her things, you know, it's just a, a daily journey, but it's exciting journey overall. So that's just a little bit about me, a little bit about my background. Perfect. So what we'll do is we'll start from the very beginning of your parenting journey, because you mentioned some key topics where I don't think a lot of people speak about. And one of those was um, infertility. And you mentioned that you were going through that. So when you're going through the infertility issues and you're trying to have a child and you're working and you're working, you're probably um, talking to your doctor, you're probably pulling up books, you're probably searching online, you're just trying to figure this thing out, right? What was your state of mind as you're going through that journey where you're trying to have a kid, but it's a little bit more difficult than the average person? Very good question. So with infertility, I actually just spoke to that recently. So a little bit more about my background. I am a certified life coach also. And so I love to work with women that um, are struggling with infertility, miscarriage, and that are also single mothers by choice, which no one really talks about. So very kind of taboo topics. And I know a lot of times very personal topics. So as I've kind of reflected on my journey, that really helped me come to terms with it. So my first 
um, kind of lost was about six years ago, very traumatic, and then ended up having my daughter. And for me, it was very isolating. There was no one really to talk to. I just got married. I got married when I was 26, about around that age. And so it was just assumed that, you know, you just get married. You know, I waited and you know, that we'll just be able to have kids and end up seeing a fertility, infertility specialist in this case, fertility specialist, but either way, and he's like, you have a 1% chance of having a child on your own. And it's just like, what do you do with that? Like, there's, you know, like, okay, well, then, then what do you do next? And so it was just, it was very isolating, very lonely, then end up having, you know, getting pregnant, which was exciting, but then that ended in a loss at almost about five months. And so it's just like, how do you wrap your mind around it? And for me, I didn't have a time to process the loss. I had the loss and had to go back to work two to three days later. And so, you know, it's just the midst of the pain and the physical, mental, spiritual pain of it, you know, and trying to process it. Thankfully, got pregnant with my daughter right after that, but it was very difficult. So in that, um, you know, things were kind of going well, then had trouble again at five months and was on hospital bed rest for six weeks. So I was just in the hospital, just staring at the ceiling for six weeks, pretty much almost by myself. Um, you know, with my husband at the time had to work. And so it was just me watching Harry Potter over and over again. So I've finished the series a couple of times over and then having her and, you know, her being in the NICU. And then I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I've overcome infertility thinking, okay, I had my daughter and then trying again and struggling with it. And I actually had um, a recent loss. It was one year ago about, so as of like June the 8th, it was about a year, one year anniversary of that second loss and dealing with that. And so just at this time, it's like, okay, what kind of, what do you do? So kind of going back to your question is something that's very isolating it's something that just, you feel kind of guilt, you feel kind of shame, you feel broken, you feel inadequate. There's just a mix of emotions that um, someone might feel. And it's not just the woman, it's the man that can feel the same way too. But a lot of times men and women will feel differently about infertility. So it's important to kind of talk about it, you know, even the difficult conversations, even when it hurts to just feel less isolated, feel less alone. Did you feel that you went back to work and you started that part of your life too soon after the first loss? Yes, for me, I didn't have any PTO. So in that it was a new job that I just started. So I had only been on that job less than a year. And so for me, I worked in a call center environment. I literally had to go in. So it was before I was doing remote work, and one of my first calls that I took, it was a woman that had a baby and her baby was crying. And so I just broke down crying on the phone. And thankfully, my supervisor was understanding, but I didn't have any leave. I couldn't take time off because I had already missed time off for the first miscarriage. And so, you know, in the midst of everything, no one told me, you know, all that comes into play after you have the miscarriage. And so I just had to go back to work. And, you know, thankfully, my coworkers, they gave me a card, which just meant so much because everyone knew. And they didn't like coddle me and they didn't pity me, but it was just nice to know, you know, that um, someone cared. And then I had people from church that surrounded me, a little bit of family support, but it still felt like no one understood. So for me, I just, I didn't really have a choice, but to go back to work. And then also the same thing for the second loss, you know, I was in the hospital saying, Hey, you know, I just lost my baby. I'm sorry that I'm missing work. And then I'm like, well, this isn't my fault. And I really had to reevaluate my thinking around it. And once again, had to go back to work right away in the midst of pain. And um, for the second loss, I actually had surgeries. I had 15 staples, you know, in that and didn't get a chance to rest. I got maybe a few days off, not even a week, and just kind of had to go back to business as usual in the midst of pain and, and everything else. So, yeah. I know for many parents and maybe people in general, they always feel 
well, I shouldn't say always, they feel many times that no matter what's going on in their life, they're somewhat apologetic for missing time. So for example, you went through the miscarriage and the loss of a child, and here you are feeling somewhat guilty because you're missing time from work. Or if someone were to get sick themselves and they've missed a few days, they may say, oh, I got to get better. I can't miss any more work. They feel guilty again. Or another example would be if they have to take a day off or a couple of days off because they have to bring a family member that is not feeling well or family member is having surgery in the back of their mind, they're thinking, hey, I only can make a, a day or two because I don't want to miss three days. I don't want to miss four days. It's like we know in our minds that after a few days, like day three or day four, we're like, I don't know. Can I miss another day for you? Because I know what I would do in that situation. I would say, hey, job, this is the situation. I'm not physically well enough to continue. And I'm definitely not mentally well enough to be present at work. I'm going to need some time off. Was there ever, was there ever a point during that time, Daniel, that you were thinking, hmm, I don't know if I can maintain everything because I'm starting to feel a little bit of imbalance in my life? Very good question. So yes, that happened often, you know, in the midst of there was nightmares and just the sleepless nights and the cheerfulness and the, you know, the moments where you break down emotionally, but here in the United States, it's unfortunate. I'm not going to get into the politics, but it is unfortunate because when it comes to leave, like I was just talking to someone recently about it. And it's like, you get a reward for whoever works the hardest who goes to work when they have COVID. Cause I had to go to work when I had COVID and I couldn't walk and still had to go to work. And it was unfortunate because they didn't provide any leave or any kind of really assistance. And so, you know, a lot of times it's like the person that pushes themselves the most and that goes to work when they're kind of half alive and half not alive gets the reward. And it doesn't matter if their legs broken, if they're bleeding out on the floor, as long as they made it to work, then they get that badge of honor. And it's unfortunate that that's kind of like the kind of the environment or what's being praised or what's being kind of. Um, sought after what we're supposed to aim for. And I wish that I had that opportunity, but with my job to not work at either risk losing my job or, you know, being off with no pay. And for me, I was kind of the primary breadwinner. I made the most at that time. You know, the first time around, I made the most um, when I was married. And then the second time around, not being married, and it was just me and my, my daughter and I, me and my daughter. But in this case, I couldn't afford to take time off. Like, it just was like, you just, you kind of have to grin and bear it, even though, you know, I, okay, got counseling, which is great, but still had to like do counseling quickly on my lunch break. And it was just kind of rushed and didn't have time to process it because it's like, I risk losing my job or not being able to make rent to take care of my mental health and physical health. And it's just sad that you have to kind of barter or kind of have that trade-off one or the other versus having both. I worked at a law firm and that, and what you said about how you have to like kind of determine which one you're going to pour yourself into either the job or your health or things like that. There's a lawyer I used to work for way back in the day when I was in immigration law and he missed, he has, he's married with two kids. Maybe he still is by the time he was, he missed every birthday, every vacation, every special event. And when I started there, I was young. I was like 18, 19 years old. And I was just like an intern at that point. Um, and he told me, he said, if he can do it all over again, he wouldn't miss any of that because the money will always be there. It will always come and go. But the time you can't ever 
get back. And one of the things that he did just to see his wife consistently was he employed her there part time. Mm. And he told me a very painful story. And he shared that his children are probably going to grow up. And when he's much older in life and he's going to need that type of assistance from his children, they may not give it to him because he wasn't there when they needed him. Right. And I think that's a price that many parents pay because, as you mentioned, they try to walk this fine line, this type rope, if you will be trying to make sure that I don't fall over to the left because I can't lean too much there and I don't fall over to the right because I can't leave too much. I can't lean too much that way. And it's just difficult. And for you, Danielle, when you were able to finally have your daughter and she's growing up and you're making it work, as you mentioned, as a single parent and understanding that life is a little bit more different for you now versus when you probably were married. Do you, have you seen any differences in how you approach things today versus how you approached it back then? Yes, very good question. So now I really am trying to be more intentional. So as you mentioned, like your coworker, I, it took a while, but I really had to weigh kind of the trade-offs and say, you know, what's really worth it. So for me, I have more than one job. So I have at least like three different jobs, a side hustle, a little bit of everything. So there are times where I'd work three different jobs in one day. And it was like this, just this guilt of, um, of not spending time with my daughter and wanting to be there. And for her, she just wanted snuggle time. And she still wants to just have cuddle parties. And I'm like, I can't because I have to on one laptop, close that laptop, have a little bit of a break and then hop on the next laptop for the next job. And I said, this isn't life. So I'm in the process of getting rid of that other job and it's going to work out. I have faith that everything's going to work out and I'm trying to, you know, start my own business. So that's going to help too. But, um, in it just realizing more of just what are the priorities, you know, what really matters in life. And especially since now, since my daughter's having some more kind of complex and more life altering and long-term health challenges really has forced me to reevaluate things. And saying, okay, what's really important? And, you know, just in the midst of things happening in schools and just all, all the way around things happen in the world, just really saying, you know, just living each moment like it's the last. And sometimes it's kind of sad and I don't want to seem depressing in that, but I'm really trying to be intentional. So I'm like, okay, you know, I could pick up some overtime, like for example, working every holiday, Christmas, you know, 4th of July, whatever it is, or I could take, you know, say, you know what, I'm just going to take my daughter to an indoor playground and we're just going to play for two hours, or we're just going to go to the park or just go to Target where she loves to go. And so I'm just trying to be more intentional now than I was before. How much of a, if I can call it this, how much of like a wake up call was your daughter to you in regards to how you want to um, structure your life now? Yes, yes. Good question. So um, kind of going back to what I was only child and kind of, I feel like in a lot of ways kind of raised myself. And so having her really opened my eyes to a lot of times what's important, you know, just like if it's chasing after a butterfly, you know, then it's, it's those little things, you know, and it's like before I was just always used to just working even in high school, you know, I'd go to school and after school catch the bus to work. And that was at 16. And that was just my life. You know, knows what I was used to. And then having her in my life, I'm like, it's just been a huge blessing. It's been life-changing, but it's really helped me rearrange my priorities. And like I said, what's important, what's maybe not as important and what's something that's just doesn't matter really at all. And so it's really just helped me to reevaluate, re-evaluate sorry, my priorities 
and really saying, okay, let's just kind of live in the moment. Like, you know, if it's taking a vacation or, you know, my daughter wants to stay in a hotel and I'm like, well, you know, we live right here. So I wouldn't stay in a hotel, but I'm like, okay, maybe we'll just get a hotel for one night because she just loves that environment and it's nice to get away. So it's just like really saying, okay, what can I do to make her life better? And also how can I make it better than my life? You know, I remember kind of my upbringing when I was a kid and just not having a lot due to a variety of reasons, but now saying, okay, we're on a budget. Sometimes things are a struggle. Thankfully things are getting better, but saying, but what can we do to just have a little bit more fun versus, you know, okay, work, 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 budget, 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 you know, what can we do to just enjoy life versus just kind of going through life and surviving? How can we thrive and actually enjoy life a little bit more? It reminds me of that saying where someone will say that you have to live your life. And as simple as that is, because we can save, save, save. And then when we're gone, we don't have any memories or we haven't left anyone with memories. And that's something that is very important to me because I don't have children myself. So I don't have a legacy that way or I don't have the memories that way. But if I can build, I'd say memories with you, memories with other people that I've interviewed or memories of people around me, that is very, very much important. So when you're spending this time, Danielle, with your child and you're making sure that her childhood is different and an improvement maybe on your childhood. How important is that to you? Yes, good question. I just, I want, like you say, that's a good point you bring up, leaving her a legacy and really wanting her to just have something better. You know, I don't want to leave her a legacy of debt because I feel like that happens a lot of times just like in my family and I've seen it sometimes culturally where it's just, okay, they get left with the debt and they get left with, um, you know, not having a lot and struggling but I do want to leave her not with just a legacy financially, but a legacy of just friendships and relationships and kind of, I told her, I'm like, she's going to change the world someday. I tell her that all the time. So I want to instill that in her. You know, I want her to grow up and be strong and brave and change lives in a good way and different things. So it's like, I'm really trying to give her what I didn't have. So, you know, and as I mentioned a little bit, homeschooling her, making that difference. And I know that everyone can do it. You know, some people consider it as a luxury. Some people say it's a need, but this year has just been so great as I've been able to spend time with her, teach her. We're able to kind of learn together and, you know, just learn, you know, things kind of beyond her years. And if she has a question, I'm like, okay, let's ask Siri or let's, let's ask Alexa and let's Google it and find the answer and learn together, you know? So I feel like I'm trying to give her more, you know, but then still have her be a kid because I feel like I had to grow up really early. So I'm like, okay, you're five, still just worry about things that five-year-olds have to think about. Don't think about, she's just funny. because She's like, well, mom, my followers do this. And this is how you get followers. And this is how you watch TikTok. And I'm like, what is a TikTok, you know? And so she knows all these things. Of course, I don't let her, you know, watch TikTok regularly for those that got a little alarmed. I realized she's only five. But, you know, I still want her to be a kid while she can in the midst of a world where you kind of microwave generation kind of have to grow up in 30 seconds or less. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, taking it one day at a time. <laughs> I'm glad you're able to separate that because I know many parents who feel like they've grown up, they grew up too fast. Um, sometimes they don't allow their children to have that childhood and to, in essence, be a child. Um, I know I experienced that. Sounds like you experienced that. There's probably many others who grew up so quickly. If you were to ask them, okay, tell me something about your childhood, they would actually have to take a moment and be like, hmm, I don't know. Like, I didn't have the toys. I didn't have this. I, I, I didn't have that. You were so responsible that you didn't get the chance to run around in your neighborhood, fall down, bruise your knee, and cry. Right? It was, it was more so, okay, I got to make sure that 
Um, this gets cleaned, this gets taken out, things of that nature. Um, but one thing I like to mention as well is some of that stuff that you experienced made you who you are today, made you strong, right? It made you um, a believer in what you can do. How do you, for the for the parents out there who are trying to balance the the good and the bad of their childhood, What's maybe one of the ways that you are able to do that with your child to help other parents as well? Yes, very good question. So I know, as I mentioned a little bit before, I know counseling. Um, it's, it's been, it's been life-changing for me and just looking for people that are positive examples of kind of what your parents weren't or maybe what your parents are or someone that's a parent that you want to be. So not saying we want to envy them, not saying that we want to be exactly like someone or just kind of look at someone, your neighbor, your best friend, your sister, someone else, your coworker and say, okay, why well, should be like that and beat up on yourself? No, you really have to have grace on yourself. But in the same time, kind of surround yourself with people that are kind of doing maybe what you want to do. You know, as I mentioned, there's parenting books, there's a lot of different parenting styles, but I really realized that you really have to kind of play by ear with the child that you have in front of you. Because like, I know, like I said, my child is sometimes all over the place and she's acting and she wants to do this and she has a million and one questions and she doesn't exactly fit in this box, you know? And so even in preschool, I remember the preschool teacher saying, oh, well, you know, it's like the preschool teacher wanted the kids to sit down and have quiet time for an hour and just work on their work. Well, my kid couldn't do that. And, you know, even when I tried to force her to do it in a way, I felt so bad. I'm like, that's just not her style. She's, you know, loves art and loves drawing things very creative in that way. So she doesn't just learn by sitting there with a pencil and a paper, you know, different things. But I think a lot of times people just need to really look at kind of their past. You know, for me, it's been a process of forgiving my parents, reading books about kind of healing and working on that self-help portion, you know, speaking to counselors about things that happened that shouldn't have happened, things that did happen when I was a kid. And it's like, okay, it did happen. How do I move past it? You know, it's not that it does, it still impacts every area of my life. And then just also um, kind of those toxic relationships sometimes with my parents, like even with my dad, you know, saying, okay, toxic relationship. He doesn't seem like he wants to heal it. I've done my part and just kind of stepping back and say, okay, I'll send you a Father's Day card, but I'm not going to let you bring my life down anymore and bring me down mentally, bring my daughter down mentally. So it's just like making those choices saying, okay, I'm ready to heal, taking the steps to heal, but then being gracious on yourself. And at the same time, trying to do better and be better than what your parents were. So, you know, like when I was a um, kind of teenager, early 20s, seeing a couple and I'm like, wow, they, they put their children to, to bed together. Like they were husband and wife and they worked as a team and, you know, they would sit and read their child a story as their child went to bed. And I never saw that because I had no one to read me bedtime stories. I never saw my parents together. I didn't see them display love, you know, like signs of affection or love. It was just, just not so good and not so healthy. And so in that, I said, okay, well, that's something different. So I just, I spent time with him and I said, well, you know, what can I do differently or how can I be a better parent? And I kind of soaked up all that I could for free, you know, for them and just saw other people and wanted to emulate what they did, but then still realized that I, my child is not exactly like their kids. My household is very different than their household. But like I said, being gracious and just taking it one day at a time, but taking the steps to kind of figure out what works best for me. When you're counseling parents, do you find that the self-awareness of what needs to be changed is a stumbling block for some parents? Yes, I think so. I think a lot of people 
they it's, it's you know many people either kind of want to be just like their parents be the complete opposite of their parents or they're just trying to find like some in between and they never really take the time to find out kind of their parenting style or what might work what might work best for their household so a lot of times they say oh well my mom and dad this they did this and as kids we did this together and we went on vacations we ate together well now maybe it is still two parent household or maybe it's one parent household but your dinner times may look different like we never ate at a dinner table and I didn't get that until I was like 26 me with a bunch of roommates and I'm like what are we doing eating together and my mom now she's like oh we need to sit at the dinner table and eat with your daughter and have meals together we'll go out to restaurants you know and eat together but we just we don't have family meals we just eat at different times because she eats at one time I eat at a different time so realizing that what my parents had or what they did is going to look very different than today what I do you know that's okay so I think it's really is coming to terms with you know kind of you know what your parents instilled in you what maybe you want to keep but maybe what you don't want to keep but then still creating new traditions and new memories and doing kind of what fits for your family because there's no such thing as like a cookie cutter where you know each you know star shape or heart shape or box shape is going to look the same for everyone your star shaped cookie cutter might look different than someone else's star shaped cookie cutter you know so just realizing that and saying okay I'm going to be different than my parents and that's okay or maybe I'm going to be similar you know same parenting style but just kind of taking the lead from your kids but then also maybe saying let's do something innovative let's do something out of the box let's do something different but let's not try and kind of repeat what everyone else is doing from 10 20 30 years ago either I'm glad that you help parents, new parents, break that kind of what some people call generational trauma or the issues that um, was brought into their lives because many times, and you probably see this, is the issues from the childhood will eventually grow into issues into their parenthood. Mm-hmm. And definitely in their adulthood, as, as they try to navigate their own lives, they may not be consciously aware of what they're actually doing because to them it's the norm okay um my mom was emotionally abusive so i'm going to be emotionally abusive my dad was um not he was present but he wasn't active in my life i may not be an active parent right because that's what we see and this goes a little bit outside of like the drinking and the physical abuse because then we start to date the type of people we grew up with right so for the new parents out there who are trying to navigate and figure it out, Danielle, who, and who may come to you and say, you know what, Danielle, I hated my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was something that I, I don't wish on anyone, but I see myself repeating some of the things I don't like. What are maybe some tips that you can help them with to make sure that they're becoming the parent that they want to be and not necessarily the parent that they've always grew up with? Mm, that's a really good question that's a very important question so I'm glad that you touched on that um actually I remember seeing a question from someone recently um and kind of speaking to it but they were saying that they're like well my parents were horrible I'm afraid to even become a parent and I feel like a lot of people are really they really too willing to go that extreme they're like well my parents are so bad that I wouldn't I would just mess up my own kids so I shouldn't even have kids and I'm like no don't deprive yourself of that if that's your dream if that's what's in your heart you know, don't let your past stop you. You know, you can say, okay, like for example, with abuse, I know that um, when I was a child, there was abuse. When I was in Mary, there was abuse. And then one of my recent long-term relationships was abusive. And so knowing that I have that pattern that even goes into adulthood, I'm like, okay, it's there, it's present. 
And so with that, I'm like, okay, sometimes physical touch or kind of that, um, kind of that intimacy portion or just even hugs sometimes or just it depends on the person depends on the day is a lot but like with my daughter she loves hugs and you know kind of a girly girl at sometimes and she loves just cuddling and snuggling sometimes I'm like mm, the touch because of what happened in the past but at the same time I'm like this touch that she's giving me this hug it's different and she needs affection just like a plant to grow you know and realizing okay that's something I need to work on when it comes to touch or kind of um, being emotionally available or just whatever it might be and saying, okay, I know what's happened in my past. I know it's likely gonna be with me forever, but I can take steps to kind of lessen the impact of it over time. So whether it's forgiving that person that wronged me, whether it's getting that help that I need, whether it's joining a support group, whether it's just watching a YouTube video, whatever it might be, or just giving my daughter a hug and just embracing it. Even sometimes when I'm like, uh, you know, it's a lot or it's too much or it's just too much. It's overwhelming. I'm also an introvert too. My daughter's a social butterfly. And I'm like, okay, she's talking, she's talking, talking. After the fifth hour of her talking and questions, I'm like, okay, let's play this game where we're just for a moment, you know, we're just silent for 30 seconds. Let's just play the quiet game, you know, but realizing that it's saying, okay, let's get out of my comfort zone because it's for her. I want her to still love hugs. I don't want her to be emotionally closed off like I am sometimes or whatever it might be, you know, just really saying, okay, I want to do better. I just have to try. I have to put in the effort. So for the new parents, I don't want to seem harsh or anything like that, or I'm not saying, oh, just get over it because I'm like, that doesn't help either, but really looking at place in your life and children will remind you of that, you know, areas where you know maybe you felt neglected maybe you felt like you know you did something and it was never enough or you never got your parents approval or you just didn't get as much attention as you wanted or recognition as you wanted and you'll see that you know when you with your kids and they get an award or you know they have a celebration or they come home and someone bullied them and try and pull from your experiences and say, okay, well, I know what my parents didn't do when I brought this to them when I was bullied and they just laughed at me or they just kind of went along with what the bully was saying, but say, you know, my parents hurt me when they did that. So now since my child is coming to me and they were bullied, I want to do something different. I want to actually sit down with them and maybe say, we'll have a dinner once a week and check in for 30 minutes and say, hey, how was your day? Or how did things go with this bully? Or, hey, do I need to go up to the school and handle this? You know, so really looking at it and saying, okay, I know it was done before, but what can I do completely different? And just kind of being intentional and taking the time and the effort to be different and do something different. And I think the parents need to take a position of that it bothers my child, so therefore it should bother me versus this is something that wouldn't bother me. So why is my child making a big deal about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So as we, as we look to close, what is, if you had the opportunity to leave a legacy outside of your child, but with everyone who's watching or everyone who, who you've come in contact with, what type of legacy would you want to leave them and how would you want them to remember Danielle? Mm, that's such a good one. I'm like, wasn't prepared for that one. Um, yes, I want to be able to touch lives. Like I love to encourage people and just love on people and let them know that they're seen because I feel like that was a lot of what I struggled with, like never feeling seen. Like now I'm at a point where I'm just starting to find my voice, but I'm almost 40. And I'm like, oh, if I'd only found it sooner, but I just always felt overlooked, always felt used, always felt whatever it might be. But the legs they want to leave is for people to know that, you know, even if you're not recognized at work, even a family, you know, kind of makes you feel less than, even if you just kind of feel used, like people just kind of come into your life to be these energy vampires and just kind of take, take, take from you. 
you know, just, I want people to know that you, you were seen and that you're important and that your life matters, no matter what anyone says, for all the people to say that you can't try and find people that say that you can, you know, and, um, that's something I'm working on now, just trying to surround my people, surround myself with people that are encouraging and that bring life and that give life and that are where I want to be someday. And so for me, it's just like realizing I get that things happen in your past. Like I said, you know, I'm a child of divorce, went through divorce myself, gone through abuse, gone through neglect, gone through traumatic things, you know, throughout the decades. But in that, just saying, okay, I know what happened before, but what do I want my life to be looking for? What do I want it to look like? What's the life that I want to have? I get that these things are holding me back. I get that, you know, I had a, you know, life altering event where I almost didn't make it and didn't survive. But now since I did survive, what do I want to do now? You know, I know what my parents said. I know what my ex-husband said, you know, saying, oh, you're just going to fall on your face. You're never going to succeed. But, you know, but now what can I do to kind of get beyond that? You know, so for me, that's I'm trying to leave a legacy. I'm trying to kind of speak to people, encourage people, especially people that feel kind of embarrassed, ashamed, feel like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way, or I can't talk about this, or I just have my journal to talk to, or my coworkers wouldn't understand, or, you know, my best friend wouldn't understand, but just really creating that safe space and that time and just opportunity for people to be heard. Because a lot of times I, I learned like a couple of years ago that there's some people that get up and they go to work and, you know, whether they even live with family or they're by themselves and no one says anything to them. They don't hear an I love you or nothing. They go to their job. They don't feel appreciated. And they just kind of get, you know, okay, you didn't do this well enough. You didn't do this quick enough. You're not meeting your numbers. So they have that. And then you come home and you don't get appreciated. And sometimes someone just needs to hear, hey, I love you. Or, hey, you did a good job today. Or, hey, you're doing well. Or, hey, I'm glad you're great. You, you know, you're a part of this. I'm glad you're on our team. Or, hey, you bring value to that team. So I want people to, you know, kind of get that encouragement that they might not usually get in their day-to-day -day life. So that's kind of the legacy that I want people to get and to have to just know that their lives matter, that them being here matters, that the air that they breathe matters. They're not just taking up space. They're not just another number, but their life has meaning and purpose and value. And it's just finding that call, calling and purpose and value and really living that out. And just because you went through a divorce, just because you're a child of divorce, just because you were abused, just because you got passed over for that job all six times that you applied, that you still have worth and that you still mean something and that you can still make an impact no matter what anyone says or what your circumstances say, you can still make a difference. So that's what I want people to know.